We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Sunday night from Portland after a five-point Timberwolves win over the Portland Trail Blazers. We are going to do tonight's post-game pod a little bit differently tonight. It won't just be me talking to myself. I'm joined by Kyle Tige, who runs CanisHoopus.com for SB Nation. You all know Kyle. Kyle's been on the show many times, but typically, Kyle, we do this over Zoom, and you live here, so I'm staring across a table in your apartment at you um the the wolves win H- how are you you are oh you're gonna open your beer yeah there you go uh that was the sound of a victory beer that we're kicking off uh in my apartment and like i said um thanks again for having me on and yeah it was a great night it's been a great weekend uh i hosted you out here we got to hang out with yeah. a lot of different people of the team um Vibes were mostly good, you know, as good as they can be around the team for a five-game losing streak. Um, yeah, I think like coming into to yesterday, right? Like it does it. It didn't feel like a five-game losing streak, kind of like last year, where you you, you kind of feel like it's going to double itself. I mean, I, I kind of talk about ways right now because I feel like on the last podcast I was like, this does feel like mm-hmm. the yeah. the Timberwolves from last year. But I was talking about that game against Cleveland, right? Like. That game against Cleveland felt like a game from a season ago in the middle of a 10-game losing streak. But the general sense of this team, I feel like this year, even this is the second time they've been on a, a long losing streak, is that they're capable of you know, not continuing a streak, breaking a streak in that way, beating a good team. And obviously Portland's um, not had a great year thus far, but they're a good team. Damian Lillard was back and they they beat them tonight to, you know, to kind of get back on balance. So I'm, I'm kind of with you that I'm not shocked by the result of tonight. Yeah. And I mean, I think I think the difference that we're trying to say is and I know this might sound kind of far fetched or kind of lofty, but um, for I me mean, for a 12 and 15 team, but they had a five game losing streak entering tonight in Portland. And I think it was more frustration of like, we just have to get we have to end this rather than like shit, this can go to 10. 11 12 games so um we, had to, we you know we went to shoot around on sunday morning um and that's when we found out that russell would play uh but the vibes just seemed kind of they did the vibes just didn't seem big vibe guy didn't seem like that of a of a team that was on a five game losing streak but also seemed like a team that understood the urgency of like 
I mean, the Blazers came in on a four-game losing streak. They were getting Damian Lillard back. The symmetry there of two teams on losing streaks getting their you know star point guard back. Um, and the Wolves ended up, you know, making enough plays down the stretch, as I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, and got a much-needed win. Like I said, it's it's only early December. There's a lot of games left. Like Chris Finch said earlier today, I think there's 58-some games left. But uh, they, they, they really needed this one. There's no must-win game before Christmas. But this was as close to it, and uh, I thought they, they pulled it out in the end. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how Ant said post-game how everybody felt really uptight coming into tonight's game. Right. And that's and, that that's that Timberwolves stigma, right? Because they enough of those guys know, whether it be Carl at the top that I was gonna this, say I feel like Carl was the uptight one and not in a in a bad way, but like he probably is able to he knows that feeling more than anyone of like he said it before this year, like five losses can become ten, you yeah. know, fifteen, seventeen, whatever. Like he's he's seen that before and I think the uptight energy didn't hold them back necessarily more to use a cliche like created a sense of urgency yeah. and yeah i don't know if it was there necessarily at the beginning of the game carl had a good first half but that uptightness turned into productivity in the second half and i thought the vibe of the game completely changed when when we got to the second half yeah i mean that first half i, I don't know what the scores i thought it was like 56 55 at the end of the first half but um the first half was 24 minutes of two bad basketball teams playing bad basketball you know what i mean like for the most part it wasn't uh, there wasn't a lot of uh things to hang your hat on on either side as you watched you kind of watched dame build his way back up until like he hadn't played in over a week um same with russell too but then that second half um they came out of the out of the halftime locker room and they just kind of turned the screws on defense um, and they had a couple guys, both starters and bench guys, step up. And it was just really impressive. I mean, they, they had got it to a point where it was, I think it was an 11-point lead. And I looked at you, and I was like, this is either going to go to 18 or 2 real fast. <laughs> um, and it went to 2. And then the Blazers had the lead, and you started to, you know, um, the Motor Center, where the Blazers play, is, is a really fun um, atmosphere. Chris Finch talked about it being one of the favorite places for him to come coach. Um and you started to get that sense again of this whole Dame time thing. But whether it was Carl or especially down the stretch in that fourth quarter, D'Angelo Russell hit those two threes that were just moonshots that were just, they, you know, they there's, there's this weird kind of trend. And that's kind of what do what they do, right? Carl makes a play. D'Lo hits a shot and hits a couple free throws. And again, big, big win for a team that couldn't really afford, as we go navigate December, they couldn't really afford to let that one slide. My main line of questioning well, to Kat, Ant, and Dilo when they came and talked after the game was I, what I noticed was the Bulls were down five, I think, with seven minutes left in the game. It was kind of it was feeling like the Dame time, whatever, like Portland was moving away from it. Finch calls a timeout with seven minutes left. He puts the starters back into the game, and they do their little timeout huddle. And then after the huddle, Kat, Ant, and Dilo, all the three of them just talked for like a good 45 minutes. Like 30, 45 seconds. And in that moment, I was thinking to myself about how the Wolves have been in these fourth quarter situations. They've played close games and they've really, they'd really yet to ever have all three of them play well in tandem down the stretch of a game. Right. And I was curious to see if that little meeting of the minds translated into those three actually playing off of each other and to that point in the game ant was having a terrible game 
He'd been in foul trouble. He wasn't doing anything. But the first play out of that timeout, Ant gets to the basket. He gets fouled. He makes both his free throws. And then it kind of like rolls from there to D'Lo doing his main thing, which is just kind of like in the fourth quarter, his ability to isolate at the top. He hit two of those classic D'Angelo Russell threes. And, you know, that gets the game basically back to tied. And then they went through Cat in the Post from there. And I just loved to see the the way that those three weave together because I think sometimes a concern, big picture of this team this year, even when they've been doing well, is the fact that all three of those guys have not clicked. To, like their button hasn't been pushed at the yeah. same time. This was one of the first times tonight where I felt like it was. And I think that is... That's what needs to happen for this offense to not just in the fourth quarter, but for the rest of the season to improve is that those three need to be able to all work off of each other. And and yeah, I was just encouraged by the fact that we saw that. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a sap. I'm an emotional guy, but it was actually an astute observation because I think it was like um, it was like one hundred and ninety three. And then Jalen late in the fourth and Jalen got a bucket or Jaden uh, McDaniels got a bucket and it was like five point lead for the Blazers. There was a timeout. And then you picked up on that. You kind of nudged me like, Hey, look, you know, like those three guys are kind of talking after the timeout. Um, and then the wolves went on in the last seven Oh eight to outscore the Blazers. I think it was 21 to 11. Um, and that was the turning point in the game, but it was like, you know, they had when it was 195 in that arena and the Blazers were up, it just kind of felt like that same shit that we do every day for the last 10 years, 20, 30 years. We've all been watching the team. Um, but it just it just changed. They came out of that timeout. Like you said, Ant had a play. Uh, Vando had a dunk. And then Dilo hit those two kind of back bake breaking threes. And then they went totally wolves in that last minute. And they just like <laughs> just refused. I mean, I was queuing up some tweets. I was trying to invite Sasha over for donuts and like I was ready for the win. I think I did like the one thing you're not supposed to do on media row. I looked at Dan. I was like, hey, they have a 96 win percent or win probability right now. And you're like, wow. You just jinxed it. Lillard's going to hit a three. Lillard hit a three. I shit my pants. Um, but yeah, I mean, they just they, they made enough plays. Also, I don't think we've mentioned his name yet, but Patrick Beverly was huge. Again, like you could you picked up on it two seconds into the game that him and Lillard have a respect for each other, but they also don't necessarily invite each other over for brunch. Um, and Pat Bev had just countless plays down the stretch that he was big, too. But yeah, it was it was a team effort. I mean, just the three of those guys whatever i don't know i'm calling it their buttons all pushed at the same same time but you know what i'm talking about that happened mm-hmm. but then also around them was that like inspired play we see from vando who i thought was incredibly inspirational down the stretch and hit the effort he just gets beat up you know dude going- he just makes me want to fill a bathtub up with espresso and just swim in it like he watching him in person do what he does um i don't think like you realize that how much energy he exerts. Uh, and you had mentioned to me, you know, when we were hanging out this weekend that you thought maybe he still wasn't like right. A hundred percent, like from an no way, man, he was every game for the past. Well, since he's been back, he does his first little, like, you know, six, seven minute stretch in the first quarter. And he come, he'd been coming over the bench, which at target center is like right in front of where we sit. And he would just like totally like cough up a lung, you know, of just trying to like, clear the airways yeah, to be yeah. able to go and you know he was able to play i don't think he was he was still like sick and spreading germ but you know you just like his stamina wasn't all the way back and i felt like tonight that was your classic inspirational energizing vanderbilt and for what pat bev was able to do just on dame like dealer said it after the game like we 
we need all five of us. Like we need a lot of guys to play well to win. And you do in you know in the league. And it's just I kind of also just had a moment where I was like, oh yeah, like this isn't just the starting five by default. This is the starting five. You know, this is this is the best group that the Wolves have. We talk a lot about some of the issues that, you know, the, some of the, the shooting, the spacing sort of problems, the thing, the ways it kind of like can jeopardize Cat's game. But within this roster, it's abundantly clear that the best five man unit that they have is the big three plus Vanderbilt and Beverly. And I'm encouraged that they've got gotten to that point. They found out that those are the starters because remember it was a <laughs> yeah. pick your own adventure of yeah. well, who the starting lineup is going to be at the beginning of the season. And they've just, yeah, they, they, they've clicked into it well. And I know it's 25 whatever games in the year. Took a while, but that's big. You know, a lot of times, a lot of Timberwolves teams in the past haven't found that. You know, you try your Trevion Grahams and your Jake Laymans and this and that, and you don't ever land on your five. And that's like, we've been doing that. I mean, listen, Dan and I have been, came into this game together. We've been doing this a long time now, but also we've been, you know, I've been following cheering for the team many years before I started covering them. Um. This was this is cliche, but this is just one of those games that old Timberwolves teams don't win. You know what I mean? Like they just, I just don't think they would have. Again, going back to that whole when they were down 100 to 95, I just didn't. That's not the type of they don't make those types of plays. Um, but I don't want to bury the lead because again, I was I was really privileged. I got to go to to my first shoot around this morning. Um, and when we found out DeAndre Russell was playing, and only the way we could find out when he just yelled at Chris Finch jokingly, like I'm fucking playing tonight, coach. So that was our source for knowing that D'Lo was playing. Um, he is he is the straw that stirs the drink, and that was what a cool development that was made abundantly clear. And I think the, I think he played thirty five minutes tonight, and it was made even more abundantly clear of like asking, sitting in post game media, talking to Chris Finch, talking to Carl, talking to Ant, asking them questions, and then them pivoting and talking about D'Lo. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like a D'Lo question, but they gave you a D'Lo answer. Um, right. And that that we talked about it with Chris Hine, like. That is the storyline this year, whether it be his defense or just his his leadership or I mean, it was really cool too. well, guys play for him. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it was really cool, too, because like at Motor Center, there was there was a, a seat or a couple thousand that were empty. So like it was the sound in there. You could hear a little bit more and pick up from where we're sitting. Um, and he really does play free safety. He really is super vocal. Like he's talking nonstop on both sides of the court. And I hadn't been able to experience that yet, but he uh, he really is their leader. And I know some people might scoff at that, but um, when we were talking to Ant this morning pregame or uh, at shoot around, like he was amped to have D'Lo back. Like wow. he knew that that was going to make his life a lot easier. Um, and he did tonight. And he hit those two threes, which again, were just shots that really he's the only, he's, he's the only one that's going to take them. And he's shown recently, he's pretty much the only one that's going to make them. So um, pretty, pretty impressive performance. It was cool to see that, that type of comeback after a week, week on the sideline. And, uh, Shout out to him. I thought Cat had an interesting answer about him, about D'Angelo Russell after the game tonight, specifically to his defense. And he talked about being confident with D'Lo, like having his back literally in the defense, because now, you know, Cat kind of has the whole defense to his back, right? He's he's playing much more elevated up, up the floor defensively. He's out at the three-point line, like showing at the point guard. And so he ha does have a guard behind him uh, That's at that point. So to that end, it makes sense. Like D'Angelo Russell's literally behind him. But 
the way you know the way Cat articulated it was like I ha- I have this this confidence that he's going to be in the right place behind me defensively, and it, it struck me because the only other two players who's ever like said that about well when you talked about Robert Covington he he talked about I have a confidence that like Covington has my back or Covington has the, the weak side for that I don't I don't feel like if my guy gets past me that we're done because I know that Rocco's going to be there he would say that and he go and and he goes that's the first time I felt that when he's talking about Covington he goes that's the first time I felt that since I I was out there with KG in my rookie year and so he's literally said that about three people like ever uh, you know, KG, that's one like, of the greatest defenders of all time. Like, that's like the th- like the three bears in the porridge, like cold porridge, hot porridge, and like just perfect. Like KG, Robert Covington, and D'Angelo Russell. But, right, you wouldn't you wouldn't put them all together in the same defender bin. But in ways, I do think it makes sense, right? Like because. D'Lo has been helpful defensively for this team this year. When he had that, he had that really cool. I can't remember the exact quote, but after the game too, he talked about how like it's not lost on him that he's never been in a defensive conversation up until this year, right? Like he, right. he is a cool cucumber a lot of times. I mean, ice in his veins is not just an on-court persona. It's an off-court persona, but um, he even acknowledged to the, you know, like he does it like, yeah, you know, like I know my defense is better and, and, and it is, and he's engaged and he's vocal. And I just thought that, um, I mean, plain and simple, they don't win that game tonight without him. Obviously, you spread more points around and stuff, but they don't win without him because I thought he had such a large impact. I mean, he had some nice deflections towards the end of the fourth quarter. And uh, yeah, it was just it was really impressive to see that when this team is healthy. I mean, that's what they were saying, too, this morning. When this team has other guys, they should be good. They should be right. That's what Ann says. They had him tonight. They got a big win. And uh, it was real impressive. Yeah, you you kind of start to think about this team you, you can talk yourself out of some of the low points of the season because they didn't have all their players, right? Like, I think at the beginning of the year, the worst stretch of games was that loss to Orlando followed up by back-to-back losses to the Clippers. And, you know, in that, and some of this is just making excuses, but it's also, like, true. Beverly didn't play in that Orlando game. And then D'Lo missed both of those Clippers games. So, you know, that's three of your worst losses of the year there. And then this year, or later on, most recently, like, again, D'Lo misses three games this past week, the the homestand, and they lose all three of those. So if you, like, if you do X off the games on the schedule where this team hasn't been at full strength and you ignore those and you put those somewhere else and you just isolate for the times that the team has been at full strength, like, it's a lot better. It is. It is a team that you can like you can have conversations about being a group that can be even above the like play-in scuttle of the seven through the ten. You know? That group, when they've been at full strength, has been has flashed being a a group that can be special. And and I think it was there was something stabilizing about that tonight or reassuring to go, okay, team's back at full strength. And they played like it, right? Delo has been just the through line of that for for so much of the season, or, or the missing link when when they have been losing. Yeah, I mean, simply put, they're twelve and ten with D'Angelo Russell this season, and they're zero and five without him. Is that what it? Okay, and <laughs> right, makes sense. And I mean, it, again, I, as optimistic and as happy and as drunk as I'm going to be in a couple minutes, like, um, it's not. You know, it, it's important to also reference like 
every team right now is almost more injured than the Timberwolves, <laughs> right? Like you see like the Chicago Bulls don't have enough ro- or rostered players with, with the health and safety protocols. The Wolves are kind of got through that, that flu situation. They seem like they're good. Um, So there's no sympathy, but at the end of the day, this team needs him because without him specifically, everyone's forced to fall and have just responsibilities that are probably a little too much for them. I mean, I think, I think deal only finished with five assists tonight, but um, he should have had 11. I mean, he just, he had good passes to guys that just missed shots Um, and putting that, I know you had talked about this maybe last week, but Patrick Beverly can make plays, but just putting too much on his plate when he's also expected to be the energy guy and the leader and the defensive stopper is probably just a little too much for him. Um, So yeah, again, he's, he's the, he's the straw that stirs the drink. Having him back, he, he finished the game. He looked healthy talking to us. Um, He should be active and ready to go in Denver on Wednesday. And uh, they need him. It's going to be, like you said, they, they can be special if they have all their guys and moving forward for now, you know, knock on wood, they have all their guys. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you there. Uh, let, let's take a quick break here. And then we've, we focused a lot on the, the starting group, but I thought, you know, some of the backup guys also played a big role in this tonight. So we'll take a quick break and we'll talk about some other specifics from tonight's game. Today's show was brought to you by TickPick. Minnesota Timberwolves basketball is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Wolves tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NBA tickets. If you can find better prices for the same seats on any other ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. I heard from a handful of fans who used TickPick to purchase their tickets to the Wolves opener after hearing about it on the pod, and they found the experience to be both easier and more affordable than previous ticket sites they had been using. The Wolves do play seven of their first eight games at Target Center, and TickPick has you covered for all of those games. It was a blast to see fans at the opener matching the Wolves' energy on the floor on Wednesday night, and I look forward to more of that to come. Again, visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back with Kyle Tige of Canis Hoopas talking about the Timberwolves' five-point win tonight in Portland against the Blazers. Uh, 
Kyle, you listen to the the post game podcast, <laughs> and what I do is I pick a forgotten star of of every one of the games. Forgotten Star Brewery is a is a sponsor of the show, and I guess it would be for the second consecutive game uh, that that is going to again my be Jalen Noel. <laughs> oh, Jalen Noel! I thought it was my wife letting us record late at night. Ah, uh, yeah, Jalen Noel, take it away. He, <laughs> I mean, Jalen Noel. It's encouraging when somebody who's been completely deleted, you know, or hasn't even been a, a part of the group is able to come in and like show themselves, right? That they that they do have something that they can contribute to this team. As I was watching Jalen Noel, he didn't play at all in the first half, but comes in and gives them like, I don't know, what was that? Maybe 10, I, I don't have 11. He finished uh, 11 minutes, five points, three assists and a block. And all all consecutively. It was Finch reaching the bench and 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 plugged him in there. And this is going to sound a little hyperbolic, considering what you know Jared Vanderbilt has has sort of not become for this team. But it, as I was watching that happen, I was reminded of kind of maybe you know ten games into the Chris Finch era last year, where Jared Vanderbilt was out of the rotation and he started by getting like first he got some like fifteen minutes of garbage time one game where they're like getting blown out by the Nets. And he he brought the first signs of that like inspirational Vando stuff, and then the role expanded and grew. And I guess what I'm just saying, if 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 something similar happens with Jalen Noel, like I think this is the same thing. These are the breadcrumbs, right? The the last game against Cleveland in garbage time, he was making plays, right? He was he was somebody who could put the ball on the floor. They desperately need creation out of their second unit, and we you saw him doing in complete wasted time against the Cavs. And then tonight he does the same thing where he's able to provide creation for this team in a way that Jordan McLaughlin has, you know, like been space jammed. He's lost his whatever he had. <laughs> um, and and Bomaro is just pretty clearly not able to, you know, to, to contribute at that level. So they, they need, they do need another creator. Like even at full... Even without guys, that for sure if players are hurt, if Delo's missing time, if Hapev's gonna miss time, like they need one of those guys to play. And and it's kind of becoming pretty obvious to me that that should be Jalen Noel. Yeah, I you know, I wanna speak for a second on behalf of all <laughs> the Bull fans. Um, because I was I mean, I have a lot the the, the Jane McDaniel fan club, uh, we've had some tough times, but we have we have a lot of events planned uh, in twenty twenty two. Um, but we also tried to fit in some Balmero events and um, seeing him live and in person. Also seeing we watched like his entire extensive uh, pregame warm up with Pablo. Uh, he's just not ready. And credit to you because you were on this before. I remember you texted me this summer like he's going to live in Des Moines. He's going to move from Barcelona to Des Moines, Iowa. Like what a culture shock that is. And I was like, you're an idiot. And like you're not like he just he's a great defender. He really is a great defender. He has almost negative offensive game. Like, he just cannot, like, his inability to create space or get off his own shot. He hasn't even defined yet what his offensive identity and, is. And that's okay. Like, I just yeah. want to tell, like, that's what, like, he just needs seasoning. But right now, what this team needs, like, it's not him. And you saw, which is what. I thought it was insane that he he was in the rotation today in the first half. Right. And you politely said that to me. But I thought it was cool of Chris Finch, who was my hero. Like, he did try it again. I mean, so Jalen had those good minutes against the Cavs, right? But that was garbage time. Mm -hmm. And then Balmero got the rotation spot again tonight. It was four minutes, and he did. He had the whole 
like on the cartoons with the big hook. We pulled the guy off stage. He hooked him real quick. Um, and then Jalen, all 11 minutes, came in the second half. Box score wise, five points, three assists, one block is not sexy, but it just, it was at the perfect time. Chris Finch said, kept referencing the right time like seven times in his post game press conference. And Jalen made every play at the right time. It's when that lead that I joked about with you went from 11 to two, and then the Blazers took the lead. Jalen just kept making these plays. The Blazers threw in this guy that I'd never heard of, a creative player, Trenton Wofford. Jalen Noel dropped him so hard that he was still on the court when you and I left Motor Center at 11. Um, he just can't, and he had, he just can make plays. He also too is like you said, Jordan McLaughlin can shoot a little bit or offensively a little better. Leandro a little better defensively. Jalen's yeah. like this weird hybrid of like their son. Like he can do a little more offensively, but he can also like, he had a really clutch block. He can also dig his feet in a little bit. Um, and I say all of that long winded to be like, he has to be in the rotation. Well, <laughs> well, it, it kind of ties back into what we were talking about before the break where, you know, we like this team at full strength, but it's not going to be at full strength all the time. And I actually kind of find it a little bit frustrating when Anthony Edwards or D'Angelo Russell say, we need our whole team to be good. Well, you're that this is an 82 game NBA season. Like you're not going to have it as you pointed out with Chicago and other teams, like injuries happen, guys miss time. And, and with this team, that's going to happen again. They haven't even had a serious injury yet. I mean, Patrick Beverly missed six games, right? Like that's, that's the biggest one. Like that is, you know, knock on wood, but like likely coming where a significant piece of their rotation misses a month that that odds are that. And so I think it I think what we learned in Delo's brief absent this absence this week is that if you were going from what Delo is providing to nothing in, you know, filling in those minutes, then that that can really sink this team. I, I think the, the gap between what Delo has been bringing versus what the like mishmash of, you know, Bomaro, Beverly taking a bigger role, all this, you know, it, that gap can't be that big. So when that injury happens to a guard, they need a Jalen Noel level like buoy, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, same thing to Torian Prince and Josh Kogi, who we should say, you know, didn't play at all tonight. Um, if Jared Vanderbilt gets hurt, if Jade McDaniels gets hurt, you know, something like that, those guys, we need to right. be having the same conversation about them because because if the gap ends up being a chasm between one of these starters and and the guys that are filling in, like they're gonna lose. So I'm just encouraged to have I'm encouraged that I feel confident that Jalen Noel can be solid um in in those minutes because I think there's gonna come a time where they they need it for like a you know, an 18 to 20 minute a game role. Yeah. And I mean, it just, I was happy for him too, because he was back out in the Pacific Northwest. I saw he had a bunch, he was taking a bunch of pictures before the game. He had family in town and stuff. So that was really cool. But I just, I'm a fan of this pod. There's so many people that are a fan of this pod of this team that are really smart and get it. And for me, it's not about stats. It's not about, you know, all that stuff. It's just like, you can just watch a guy sometimes and know that he has an NBA game. And Jalen Noel is not, like you even said this other day, he's probably not, generic brand Malik Beasley um because he's not the spot-up shooter that we all thought he not really Beasley at all right he really is more of like this weird he's discount ant that's what he yeah is. he's not discount Beasley he's discount ant. yeah and he um although he's like my size but he just really is like it just it's impressive to see him just this sounds so lame but just dribble and like just create <laughs> off off the dribble and create for his teammates um 
it's it's really impressive. And like I said, I think that's the type of spark that this team needs. Um, I mean, you know, with D'Lo back, knock on wood, hopefully for good, him and him and Pat Bev will chew up a lot of that backcourt minutes. But um, they they just didn't have an answer through the first twenty five games of the season to kind of what to bring off the bench. And that you do need spark players off the bench. Like I'm a big believer in that. You need guys that are just a little energetic. And Jalen is full of energy, and he can just do all the little things to a respectable level that um that you need. So. Huge game for him. Again, the box score is going to make it look like he was just another guy that came in, but uh, all of his minutes in the third and early fourth quarter, and it was it was huge. I mean, it really was like allowed them to just kind of not I mean, tread water just enough while Dame was starting to heat up to give Carl a rest or give Ant a rest, and then get those guys back, and they brought it home. I thought uh, I thought D'Lo had a, a great line about Noel after the game when we were interviewing him, and and he said. I can do any actual audio drops in this one, but I, I this is worth reading. I, this is D'Lo on Jalen Noel. He said he was huge, 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 huge. I hope it doesn't go unnoticed. Honestly, a lot. I hope a lot of people start paying attention to that name, start giving him some love. Hopefully, a team, if it's not us, takes advantage of that. He's more than capable. And I, I want to. I'm anyone who knows me knows I'm a giant nerd. As like someone who studied management and leadership, I'm just a nerd for that shit. And you might be listening to this and hate all the positive D'Lo talk, and you might hate some of the ways he, the shots he takes, whatever. Those young guys really love that D'Lo has their back. Like, I mean, D'Lo was <laughs> jokingly, but D'Lo was like late to the post game presser because he was ripping off tweets about how awesome Jalen was. Like, D'Lo has Jalen's back, and I think that you know gives him what he needs out there on the court. He's like, I'm, you know, the leaders, the big three, whatever. Like, they trust me to go out there and make plays. Um, and I just thought that was I thought that was really cool because you can see the leadership from D'Lo just kind of leaking out in that in that quote. You know what it reminds me of is when D'Lo started talking about Jaden McDaniels last year. Remember that? Are we doing the McDaniels minute? That's the new. Uh, that's the new, we had to find a sponsor for that. But anyway, keep going. You can sponsor it if you want. <laughs> no, but do you remember that? How, he did. Like, he, he was he he, he tra- was an, he was an early. He, he was started. It was you and D'Lo. It was me the- and, it, but but it was it was like it was I think end of December when we were all just like who is this gangly Gumby like guy and like he was the one after me that was like, this Jaden kid is good. Like he's going to be good. So, and quick aside, Jaden was good tonight. I would. I th- yeah. You mean, we'll just do the McDaniels minute now, but uh, I think he had the most points he's had since um, before Thanksgiving. He took I, something that was really like encouraging to me. I don't know. I'll throw this up to you and lob it up. Um, It's only the second time this season that he's taken seven threes. And the first time was when they got blown out by Utah. And that might have just, I, I can't remember that game, but like maybe he was taking them in garbage time or whatever. But um, he was just confidently shooting. And again, I don't know if another kid that's from the Pacific Northwest was just empowered to be ripping shots in front of his family and friends. But it, he just looked more comfortable taking shots. I mean, I, don't know, I think he only had 10 points, but um, it was an important 10 points. And he also, and Dane had to like put me in a collar. He also deed up Lillard a couple times and then took it to Anthony's Anthony Simons when I mean Simons was awesome tonight as well. Yeah. But uh he accepted the challenge when maybe they needed another guy out there because, like you said, there was no Kogi, there was no Prince. Jaden kind of had to be the one and only guy to defend at the uh, on the wing. I, I thought part of that getting seven threes was the fact that we've seen this for a couple teams have done this, but they're giving him the Vanderbilt and a Kogi treatment. Oh, for sure. For you know sure. what I mean? Yep. Whether it's just 
and they, they would they were kind of doing it where Nurkic was on him, you know, sometimes, and Nurkic was kind of doing the roaming thing mm-hmm. off of which you know we see every team do off of Vanderbilt, off of a Kogi, and it's it really it really kills the Wolves when when teams do that effectively, right? And so I guess you know to Jaden's credit tonight, like he did confidently step into those and take those like. Whether it's Vanderbilt, whether it's a Kogi, or whether it's McDaniels, and they're out there, and these teams aren't respecting them, they either need to shoot those shots and make them a third of the time, or they need to not play at all. Right, and that's all we're asking for, right? Is just to shoot those shots, right? I remember it was it was a couple of weeks ago in that Suns game where Chris Paul like met, motioned to the bench and was like, "Who is this kid?" Like he, yeah, right. you know, like I think the league with all the scouts and all the analytics, like I think they know that Jaden's one hell of a defender, but I think us as Timberwolves fans or myself in the fan club, like we kind of pump the tires a little bit. Like I don't think anyone respects him as a shooter any, any more than they do a Kogi. Well, and he quite frankly needs to earn it. Right. Like, right. I mean, he, yeah, he went two of seven tonight from three, but it's just, I think the fact that he took him was big. Um, yeah. Well, he, I mean, he needs to take him and, and Vando too. He made it, he made a corner three again for his second, <laughs> second game in a row. <laughs> that's so funny so not lame so not lame when vando hits threes and i look at dane and i'm just starry but yeah i mean back-to-back games where he, it makes a difference it makes a difference and, for and, this team. and we and we got to talk to uh chris finch today at, at shoot around and you and him had a really long back and forth and he he talked about that and you're like hey he has to take one or two a game you and think about that in a, in a game where you have 90 shots and i don't know a dozen of them are just shitty in general like I mean, and he did. We got to we watch all of Vanderbilt's warmups too. Like he's hitting more threes than what I saw when I was back for like media day. Like when I was back earlier. So I don't think he's gonna win the three point contest this year. Maybe next year, but he he has hit one in back to back games. And just that, I mean, anyone who listens again, like when you watch a game, just hitting that three, just one three changes everything. It puts that fear in Roko's mind or Nurkic's mind of like, shit, do I have to get back out there? Do I have to take one more step outside the paint? And then that's when Ant, you know, back cuts. So that's when Ant drives. And it's just, it really does change everything. So I think that's just a, it's not the story, but it's a, it's a something to monitor going forward. I hope that guy takes a three once a game for the rest of the season. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we, we saw it in, in two consecutive games of like hitting the corner three and then like a residual impact a couple possessions later, like, even in the Cleveland game was a total disaster, but in the first half when it wasn't totally burning down yet, like he hits that corner three a couple possessions later, he's in the opposite corner and Evan Mobley, you know, goes out to respect that shot. He runs that little like give and go thing with cat and, and you know, it's clean. It, it, he gets, he gets a clean cut to the basket and got, he got fouled to free throws like that matters tonight late in the game is the same thing. He's hit the, he's hit the corner three. So they pat ant like the wolves run their little like cat D pick and roll action into like second side to ant and ant goes and swings it to Vando in the corner and Nurkic. Like I, I tweeted out the clip, like go look at it. Like Nurkic for a mm-hmm. second goes and says like, I need to take this extra step here. And, and Vando is able to like blow by him to get to the basket. It's not just the fact that that's two points. For, for the dunk there, it's that... It's the it's, psychological part, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, like, the opposite. Like, it, what what if the opposite thing happens where Vando just catches it there and, like, pivots three times and then passes it back out to D'Lo, and now there's five seconds left on the shot clock, and D'Lo's got a grenade that, you know, he's not going to make it. High. Like, that has a... 
psychological impact or drain on you know on on the offense there so it's like i've now talked about this on these last two episodes i just think it's it is so important whether it's vanderbilt whether it's mcdaniels seems like a kogi has also gotten the cartoon hook thing like but they need to shoot them and if they are not able to do that like at least for mcdaniels and a kogi and prince like they can't play right Vando has earned just with some of the more things he gives, like he's going to play no matter what. And you're going to deal with the three pivots if he has to do the three pivot thing. But it's just it's meaningful. I, I really do think it's meaningful because the biggest overall drain on the season is how terrible this team has been in the half court. And so much of that is directly attributable to like the negative ex- externalities of the lack of spacing that this team has. So I, I'm encouraged. I said, a, I think a week ago with Britt, I was like, he needs to shoot one or two a game. He does, Vanderbilt. And make them take that one extra step. It makes it makes such a difference. Yeah, I think I was just checking your Twitter account. I think you did tweet it out. Um, but yeah, it, that that play, you have to catch that video because it just it encompasses everything Dane and I just ranted on. Where it's just Vando just it's like he pump fakes in the corner and then he's just so much more athletic than Nurkic that he can just drive all the way by for an easy dunk. Um and it was a big moment in the game, but you're 100% right. He just he needs to keep keep shooting those even if it's one a game. Like the NBA has so there's there's so many plays and there's so many shots, but there's also just like microcosms of these moments that really can stick in a player's mind both for Vando and his defender and right. that was a that was a that was a big play and I I think if they can keep that that going as well um the the, <laughs> the bar or the metric here for what I'm about to say is pretty low, but in my mind, it's it's pretty simple and pushback if you want to, but he's the best power forward they've had to play alongside Conte Towns in his career. Like, and, and again, the, the bar's pretty low. And I and I say that, I kind of just set that up so you can either punch me in the face or agree with me. You should do the second one. But uh, because it's December 12th and we enter this week, you know, December 15th is coming up, um, and trade season kicks off. And that's, you know, with all these extra guys becoming available, um, I don't know if Jared Vanderbilt is the long-term solution next to Conley Towns, but I do think he's the best by what all the intangible stuff he does. Um, and I think no matter what happens, as long as he's on this team, he has cemented himself in a rotation, whether it's off the bench or starting. Yeah, I, I think he's been as good as some of the other imperfect fits have been. I think right. there yeah, was that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. There was a good Gorgie year with him and Kat, um, like Tibbs' first year, right? Uh, and, I, and Taj Gibson was really good too. Yeah, and I, I think, but also, honestly, a lot of the same problems there with Taj mm-hmm. not being able to space it to the corner, mm-hmm. and and with with Gorgie too. I mean, Gorgie and Cat ran into each other so often, <laughs> like so. There, I mean, that's sadly that's kind of been like the theme of the problems with Cat when he's been next to a, a real big is spacing or a, a, a sizable big because we have seen him next to. Robert Covington and you have that spacing, but you don't have the necessary physicality, right? Like mm-hmm. that pairing didn't work. We saw like the Jaden McDaniels and cat front court pairing that didn't work because these small ball fours are kind of inherently playing out of position mm-hmm. by playing the four right? and having it be next to cat makes it like really kind of egregious how far out of position they are. So, I think honestly, it's it's taken a few years. I think we're at the point of knowing that like it needs to be somebody a little bit bulkier, which again on this roster that means it has to be Vando. 
Um, but the perfect version is probably somebody who can kind of fuse some of those things together. Obviously, we talk about like that Miles Turner archetype, like something like that right. is the is the ideal version. But on this roster, yeah, it's isn't even up for debate. Like even with all the issues that they have spacing wise, like Jared Vanderbilt is the is the best big to to put next to Cat. I just made this a very long Forgotten Star segment. So apparently Jalen Noel, Jaden McDaniels, and Jared Vanderbilt are all the forgotten And my wife. Stars. Shout out to Abby. <laughs> um no, I, I do I we can wrap it up, but I want to hit you with one more. Um because I was just No, saying, I want what I want to say oh, is I go. just with the with the the brewery, we are gonna be doing a live show. Oh hell yeah. Uh, or not, not a live show. We're gonna be doing a watch party at December on December twenty first at Forgotten Star Brewery. I've been plugging it on here with everyone to these shows, but just for all of you listening, are you going to come? I'm going to surprise, surprise for dude, forgotten star. When we had that like lottery party, which was like this, I mean, I'm just going to say it, the saddest event ever, because it was just like, it was kind of like a last supper. Like it was just kind of like, Oh shit, we're all just going to get together and be really sad. Um, but that place is was awesome. Gerson Rosa's Jesus. I, uh, he doesn't follow. He unfollowed me on Twitter. So, uh, I don't want to talk about him, but he, uh, no, Forgotten Star is awesome. It's a great place. Um, I'm excited that you and Britt are going to be there again. Um, it's going to be really cool to like, I'm excited for f- people to just show up and have a beer six and like watch an away game with you because it really, as someone who gets to sit next to Dana Britt at, uh, at games sometimes, um, it's going to be a cool experience. So, and kind of getting this, I mean, you said the 21st, yes. right? Um, getting this stigma of this five game losing streak off their backs. I think they have some more winnable games coming up. Um, you should have a pretty fun product to watch that night. So, uh, go great spot, better beer, pretty look cool that. people. Look at, that, look at that ad read by you right there. Um, let's just close. Uh, you, I, you haven't been on the pod since media day, right? Correct. Let's. I've been just, trying though. I've been like texting you drunk at night. Like, send me the Zoom link, and you won't do it. <laughs> what are uh, what are you just like? Ten. What are we? No, twenty-seven games into the season, like. What are your ten thousand foot takes just on this this team thus far this season, and I guess where where it's gone since media day, which was God, I mean, what was that three days post Rosa's firing? Lori and A Rod are in Minneapolis pretty much for the first time. I mean, a lot's happened, it, it, and I know I can get caught in the just doing the pod frequently that that sort of thing of the you know the one day at a time sort of thing, but it is even for me it's it's kind of crazy to think about what this now two months has been yeah i mean it is it it really is like it's way more emotional and and fun and all those adjectives and synonyms for for me because like i said the last time we did this was was media day but um you know they're they're 12 and 15 that's that's a 44 percent winning percentage they're on pace so you put that on your calculator i did i just pulled out shout out to my iphone but they're on pace to win 36 games right um, that's over. That's the over. But I mean, that that's it's kind of where Vegas had them. So I mean, um, we're Dane and I were having a beer uh, last night with the Bally Sports people. But like, they, they did that. Uh, the last game they did this roller coasters, uh, graphic where it's like that. That that's what a lot of these teams are going through, right? Like a lot of these teams are going through roller coaster seasons. Also, we got to talk to some people today around the Blazers, and like, I always say the same message to you and on these pods is like, there's other teams are going through shit. Like other teams are like, whatever you think about the Wolves sometimes, five game losing streak, like the Blazers right now is worse. Um, and I just think over, it's it's crazy to think it's only been two months, but like to see how quickly 
Chris Finch and Sasha Gupta, both guys who we talked to today, um, got that team and that franchise's affairs in order um, so quickly to have a group of guys that really like playing together, um, play hard, play you know, defense for, for the most part. Um, I think it's encouraging. Like I said, I, I'm not, we talked about this all weekend. Like I'm not, they're not going to make the Western Conference Finals this year. But like, they're, 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 a, I think this is the first time in the six years I've covered them. I mean, there, there was a Jimmy year, but like, I think this is a, this is really the writer in me. I think they're a good, fun team. Like that, that's it. Like, I think they're going to be good and fun all year. They're going to win from 36 to 39, maybe 40 games, depending on if they get hot. Um, and the play-in is the bar. Like, it, it's not... I don't think people think I have expectations. Sometimes it's like, the if they're not one of the top 10 teams in the West, it's an absolute, absolute disaster. It's an absolute dumpster fire. And you got to blow things to the moon and back. But I don't think that's the case. I think they're going to win a bunch of games. They win those games you don't think they're going to win, which I think is, like, hard to do. Now, they, need, they have that stretch, I think, in January, where it's like they play the Thunder, Thunder, Pelicans, and Rockets. They got to go three and one, four and zero oh in that. Like you also got to beat those shitty teams. But um, I think they're just a good, fun team, and I haven't had that in my life for what seems like sixty five years. No, it is. Uh, it is good to take stock, right? Of, I mean, it really was bad at the beginning of October. I mean, whatever the opposite of a storybook ending is, like that's what was happening with the with the Rosas era and. And, you know, for for I mean, a, a franchise organization that like can't really take can't afford to take a lot more like those gut punches like they took a gut punch there. And, you know, there's there's the things like the the defense improving this season, D'Lo having a, a pretty clearly positive impact on the team. There's this there's the basketball things, there's the minutia. But I do think big picture in the eyes of a fan, you know, it's pretty encouraging that this season didn't just become a total like suck, yeah. you know, because it could have. And, yeah. and and Chris Finch and Sasha Gupta and even, you know, Kat and them would have had the excuse of like, yeah, like this became a soap opera and everything was thrown into disarray right before the season. They would have they would have had an excuse to be you know, seven and 20 right now. Right. Um, I, th I mean, the talent wouldn't be like, would not have been meeting expectations, but the surrounding environment would have justified that. And they're, they're not there. And being around the team every day, I, I'm, I sometimes have those moments of like, you know, seeing Chris Finch having fun, you know, Sasha and Kupta looking comfortable in his role. You know, cat when he's not like punching the wall after a post game thing, like looking like he's enjoying himself. And I think that, like, I think that matters because, um, yeah, man. I mean, like, what if cat just spouts off on media day about this organization being terrible in the time he's been there? He could have done that, like, and it would have been fair of him to do that. And he has, you know, credit to him, credit to, I think, Chris Finch for kind of stabilizing the ship. Like, it, um, Yo, they're, they're, they're like, I thought they were like the second or third youngest roster in the league, which I know some people roll their eyes at because you got two guys that are making max money, right? Like, and I mean, Conte Towns and Jandro Russell are still 
young players by an NBA standard, but they're also guys on max deals that are looking to get extensions this summer. So, um, but I just think like you, you, you said it better than I could, but I just love to talk. Like they had every excuse in the book to just flame out again. And I just think this is like, you're, you're watching they're good. By the way, they're going to get their asses kicked at some point, maybe this month again and lose by 30. Right. But like, I just think it's these wins against Philadelphia after they got embarrassed in Charlotte the night before, or these wins were like, you know, Miami. Uh, th- yeah, Miami, or like when they th- they go into a an away arena and that team's getting back their all star player, and then they have this bench guy who is stealing people's nicknames go off, and like the Wolves just lose all those games, and you're just kind of seeing like the Timberwolves kind of remind me of like a teenager right now, like they're they're kind of awkward and they're kind of weird and gangly, but like they're just doing some things that you don't do as a toddler. Um, they're not adults by any means. You know, they're not um, the Jazz. They're not the Nets. They're not some of those top tier teams. But I think they're just, you always say it better, like that that whole hold on to the rope thing. They do a better job now of if they lose the rope, grabbing it again or holding on to it or just, they, they just kind of have a better sense of when to bury their feet in and stop the bleeding. And that's what Sunday night in Portland was winning 116 to 111. It was just, we have to stop the bleeding. And they did that. Right. And it like you said, like there and there was bleeding too. Yeah. Before tonight, right? Like, I mean, and the, and there will be again. But um but yeah, to make this season what they want it to be, which is at a like the playoffs, like they they need to be a team that doesn't bleed for a month at a time and also and to that end be be a team that grabs the rope and stops the bleeding before you know the losing streaks extend past four or five or six games like that like they need to do this they need to to have what tonight is to to restabilize and 12 and 15 still is not an awesome record 36 win pace is still not awesome but it's enough to convince you that they're moving in the right direction it's enough to do what anthony edwards said in his postgame press conference right it's enough to calm down yeah and take a deep breath Mm-hmm. And I think we we lose sight of that. I know I do for sure. Like you got to you got to remember those times again in this marathon of an NBA season. Um, the the ups, the downs, the roller coaster graphic. Um, they're on pace, technically speaking, right now to hit their over. Um, and we deba- we debated that all summer. We got a lot of money riding on it one way or another. But um, yeah, like I said, I started, you do. But yeah, I think that uh, I think that tonight was just a good time to just bury your feet in, stop the bleeding, get some stops, get a win. Um, and then look, I mean, you know, not to get into the weeds, but just look at the schedule this week, right? At, at Denver on Wednesday, that's a broken down team that has a lot of injuries, a lot of shit going on. Um, and that at home for a midnight tip off against the Lakers on Friday. (laughs) So a couple winnable games where it's like, you know, that's, that's, it's not just the Timberwolves, man. It's it's what a lot of teams are doing. You lose three, four, five, you win four, five, six. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. you're going to see that go. So maybe this is the start of that next winning streak. No, I think, as Dilo said, never too high, never too low, right? That's probably the, the right mentality with us. Um, you got any any other thoughts you want to fire off here? No, that was like, that was an impromptu state of the franchise. But no, I I do. Have, I want to just shout out quick Timberwolves PR uh, and Dane and Chris Hine and Jim Peterson and Alan Horton and Sasha and Gupta and all those guys for uh, just a kid from small town North Dakota. They got to cover his favorite team this weekend. And um, I've tried to be a little more, you know, objective and stuff. But I, I really do think, 
I think you just had to tell yourself in the past, like I'm optimistic and stuff when it was the, your, the house was burning down. Um, I don't think the house is burning down anymore. I think I think this team has has a footing. I think they have a foundation. I think they have some of the right people in place. Um, and I'm excited to bug the show to you for the next four months to hop on these things after a win. <laughs> you uh, you bring a good perspective. Um, and I think it's, you know, it is it's I think it's different. You and I are wired a little bit differently in, in the way <laughs> the way we we do this, but uh, but uh, you thank you for doing this and for to Abby for letting us record in your <laughs> your guest room at you know midnight on a Sunday night. Um, and obviously, I'm sure you all already follow Kyle and go to canishoopus.com. But Canis is the most consistent. Uh, coverage of this team every single day they have how many writers do you have now like 15 or so they're they're covering this team um, we're trying jennifer <laughs> in depth so so follow everything they do you can follow kyle um on twitter at kyle tige which is that's spelled t-h-e-i-g-e um i that took me a couple years to figure out and canisupas you can follow on twitter as well and just canisupas.com read what kyle's doing there and and his team Kyle, thanks for doing it. And I will be back with another one of these. I am heading from Portland to Denver to to cover that next game. I'm not sure if I'm going to potentially be doing a pod before that game. But for sure, the next time, or you will for sure hear from me um, after the Denver game on, on Wednesday night. And we'll keep seeing where this thing goes. Go Wolves. Till then, he's Kyle. I'm Dane. Peace out. Feeling man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.